You're listening to the Art of Parenting podcast. I'm your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. My intention is to share with you simple tips and tricks that will make a huge difference in your home, as well as giving you all the support and encouragement you deserve to enhance your parenting experience. I've created this safe place for us to explore the issues and concerns that matter to you bringing you clarity and solutions with Q&A sessions and inspirational conversation with world-renowned experts in a variety of fields. I'm a firm believer that parenting was never meant to be done alone, and I'm here to debunk the general consensus that it has to be hard. A warm welcome to you, and thanks for tuning in. Hello there, Jeanne-Marie Penel here for a solo Q&A episode. This is episode four, and I will be answering a common question that I get. So I'm hoping, and my intention is to have these Q&As for you every last Wednesday of the month, and I invite you to send in your questions so I can get to them. It is important that I be here for you. That is the intention with this podcast to answer all of your parenting questions, dilemmas, whether you are a parent, are going to be a parent, um, have been a parent, a grandparent, uh, such is just to answer all of your caregiving questions, especially towards young children. So today I am going to answer a common question that I get, which is, what the heck is Montessori? And for those of you who have been following me for a while, will know that I am quite passionate about Montessori, but want to clear up maybe some misconception around it and just explain to you exactly what it is. So for those of you who do read French, and I apologize for those of you who don't, but I did publish a book this last spring called The uh, 100 Golden Rules of the Montessori Method. It is only available in French so far. But today I will explain, I won't go through the 100 rules today, but I will kind of give you my personal understanding of it and what uh, it has brought me. So first and foremost, Montessori for me is a way of life. It is a way of understanding and following the natural unfolding of human development. So let's backtrack a little bit. Montessori comes from the name of a doctor, a woman doctor named Dr. Maria Montessori, who was Italian, lived more than 110 years ago. And she was actually the first woman allowed to go to medical school back then. But from her scientific education and what she made, what she was involved in or interested in were children. And she became really observing children to really understanding human development. 
And at that time, she revealed to the world many things about human development, about brain development and such, that today are actually being proven with brain research and brain scans and all of that. So for me personally, she was a pioneer in the sense that uh, wanting to go to medical school when it was kind of a forbidden field for women, but she persevered. And then this genius of a person to have revealed all of this knowledge and understanding just through observation that today is being proven through scientific research and all of this. So for me, it's really uh, an understanding of human development, but it is research-based. So it's not, you know, woo-woo kind of pulled out of the air. It really is has substance to it. So uh, one of the things is I discovered Montessori kind of haphazardly, to be honest. Uh, my younger brother went to a Montessori school, so you know it was it was there in the ethers. But really, when I discovered it is when I picked up a book, pregnant of my first uh, child, so more than twenty three years ago, and it was called L'enfant, which is the child in English, which the translation is the discovery of childhood in um, in English, and it was a book by Dr. Maria Montessori. And it kind of just gave me this very gentle guidance as to what was to be expected going into this journey of being a parent. And it was really about just following my child, that my child would guide me into what he or she needed, because I didn't know what I was expecting. And uh, and that's exactly what I did. And it was just amazing to really, for me, that experience was really reliving, rediscovering everything for the first time through my child's eyes, through my child's experience. And it made that whole few years of those first few years of parenting just so joyful. I mean, sure, there was, you know, there was uh, a little bit of, of anxiety of was I doing the right thing, uh, things like that. But for the most part, it was really about just being very attentive to her needs and just observing and following what it is she wanted to discover. And so, in a nutshell, that is what this educational approach is, because now, and and has been for over a hundred years, Montessori became a individualized educational approach. And I say individualized because it really is about the individual child. It's about following each individual child, knowing that in a Montessori classroom, we have mixed ages. So you can't have just one lesson plan for everybody because you have a range of, you know, of spans of, of about three and a half years all mixed together in the same classroom. So it's really about following the individual child. And that to me is the beauty of it, contrary to maybe our more traditional education, which is really about the adult being at the front of the room and really directing and leading all of these young children into learning just one thing. And that one thing is what the adult has decided. So this is really shifting it where it's about 
what do children want to learn? And this comes from the understanding, the belief, and the trust that children are born, and you and I and everybody is born with this very strong intrinsic need to learn, to adapt to their time, place, and culture. And that is our role as we are adults that are here on planet Earth before them. We are to guide them, but we are to follow also their lead because as we know, we evolve from one generation to the other. So it's really, it's it's just a magnificent way of observing this human development and really this natural unfolding. So just in kind of in a nutshell to give you a little bit more of a perspective as to what uh, to look for maybe if you are interested in Montessori education as your kind of educational approach or there's maybe a Montessori school in your neighborhood uh, and such, I, I want to give you a few guidelines, a few things to look for because one thing to know is that the Montessori method was never copyrighted. So there are many Montessori schools who you know, who take bits and pieces of it and and do their best at it. But there are, for me, there are some really uh, major principles that we do need to pay attention to. And so I'm just going to go down a list of things to to keep in mind when you are looking for, for that. Also, knowing that Montessori education for me, starts at birth or even at conception because uh, parent education is a big part. Uh, we talk a lot about the prepared environment. So preparing ourselves as we are carrying the child, uh, preparing the birth environment, preparing our home, all of that for me comes as part of it. So it is an education that starts at birth and goes through all the way to 18 years. For most people think that Montessori is just a preschool or for preschool education, but no, it really goes through um, the, the, the formal settings can start as early as three months and they will go through uh, high school until university studies. So really from three months to 18 years. So, um, and then the other thing also that I, I do want to say is that uh, Montessori is not only for school settings. I do a lot of work with bringing the principles into the home. It's there's there's really a lot of principles that can be incorporated in the way that we parent in our in our parenting philosophies and the way we set up our home and the way that we engage children in daily activities and such is often kind of labeled as Montessori parenting. It's, you know, it's parenting in general, but there, there is kind of this, um, you know, fad to, to label. And we see, we see, you know, cute little Montessori activities and things like that it's not only about activities, it's really about embodying the respect of the child and knowing that the child knows what they need to learn and really following the child. 
So some of the ideas to really be looking at and to really be understanding is that first and foremost, it is child-driven. So as I said earlier, it's not about the adult sitting at the front of the room and guiding the children and deciding what the children are going to learn, but it's really us adults following each child's needs. So when I was uh, actually working in a Montessori classroom, I had 24 children ranging from the ages of two and a half to six. And so I had 24 different lesson plans. And that was my role to guide 24 uh, little human beings. And it was beautiful to see how each of them evolved, how each of them mastered different skills, the different interests that they had, how they helped each other and such. And so Yes, it might be a little bit more work, but it's just so much more empowering to these 24 individuals for them to have that one-on-one attention and to know that they are choosing work that excites them. And that's why oftentimes when you do observe a classroom, the Montessori classroom, it's so peaceful. Well, that's because everybody's working on what brings them joy. That's what that's the beauty of it is that they're each doing things that they enjoy doing. So child driven, very important. Uh, and that would be for me a red flag if you visit a school where the adult is telling the children what to do and choosing work for them. So, you know, there are some exceptions once in a while when when a child really needs some support to choose work, but for the most part, children choose their own activities. Let's take a short break from this QA to hear a word from our sponsors from the Parenting School, Building Strong Families with Montessori and More. I'll be right back. Have you been searching for the owner's manual to your child or did you just misplace it? Are you tired of trying to figure out this whole parenting puzzle, not knowing what to do when it comes to tantrums, hitting or biting, sibling rivalry, potty training, proper sleep habits, or just plain wanting a better relationship with your child. You know, I've been at this for a while now and wanted to share my own parenting manual. It's called The Parenting School, and I've created it with you in mind. Give your child and yourself the gift of mindful parenting in just a few short weeks and discover all the tools you'll ever need to parent without losing your patience, giving in, or worrying that you're messing up. If you're yearning to be more patient and present with your child while finding balance in your own life, then you already know that you need effective parenting tools and ongoing support. You know you weren't meant to be raising children alone, and you probably already know that having the right parenting tools during moments of conflict is the key to staying grounded, responding with empathy, and strengthening your parent-child relationship. You've probably sensed that you'd be a more confident parent if you had a like-minded community supporting and encouraging you. Your skills have gotten you this far, but most days you still feel like you're making it up as you go. So here's what I've got for you. Reliable parenting principles that will allow you to finally set boundaries you can confidently uphold, communicate effectively with your child, 
declutter your home to enhance your child's independence, learning, and family harmony. And find more time to do the things you love. This is what the parenting school is all about. During this digital parenting course, you'll get weekly modules with lessons focused on key areas to get you where you want to be. These modules come packed full of video tutorials, journal prompts, actionable activities, expert interviews, and more, as well as weekly Lifeline group mentoring calls where I answer your questions personally, plus a virtual village with like-minded parents supporting each other during this deep dive parenting intensive. I'll also include some extra special bonuses to keep you inspired and motivated along the way. So if this sounds too good to be true and you're ready to up-level your parenting skills as well as your family's well-being, head on over to The Parenting School at voilamontessori.com slash TPS dash enroll. That's TPS for The Parenting School dash enroll. To learn more about the, all the benefits of this fabulous interactive digital course I've created just for you. And by the way, I've also added the link in the show notes for you. Looking forward to supporting you and your family. Uh, the other aspect is this notion of preparing the environment. And this is also what I mentioned about the home, bringing this into the home, is how we prepare the environment for our children to adapt with more ease. That is their biggest task when they come to the planet is to adapt to their time, place, and culture. So how can we make that easier for them? And so the, the Montessori classroom is often called a prepared environment because everything is to child size, it's down at their level, all the activities have been prepared to be developmentally appropriate, all of the materials are gathered on one tray or in one basket. So there's, uh, you know, everything is together. They don't need to go looking around for it and such. So that's a big, uh, important aspect of it is the prepared environment. And oftentimes you will see it pretty uh, minimalism and, and kind of simplified, like it's not over cluttered. There's not lots of, uh, you know, bright things all over the walls. There's maybe some beautiful artwork, but always down at the child's eye level. So again, that would be a red flag if you see kind of a classroom where the walls are a little bit overwhelming. That's, you know, not quite understanding the sense of order that the young child needs. The other aspect that I talked about is this idea of freedom of choice. So really choosing the activity that you want to work on. And this is not a free for all. Uh, it's really there are what we call freedom within limits, meaning that the environment is going to give you feedback. Because for example, in that classroom with 24 children, I only had one example of each activity. So if two children, if three children wanted to work on that one activity, well, they had to wait their turn. And that's, that's part of life, right? So that was feedback. That was a limit that was being given back by the environment. The other thing too is that the children choose work that they have been presented, meaning that if a, you know, two and a half year old goes and takes, 
work off the shelf that is for a five and a half year old, let's say, the only thing that the adult needs to ask is, oh, have you been given a presentation? And often time the child knows no, and they just put it back. So that's, again, a limit and just a, you know, reinforcement from the environment that is being given. Uh, the other aspect is the sense of order. And this is something that uh, to me is really important also in the home is the sense of order for the young child. They are brand new to the planet. They are trying to make sense of their world. They need uh, help to classify things. So if we can keep things in an orderly fashion, minimize the amount of uh, toys and activities that they have access to, and making sure to put them back always in the same place. This really helps them get this kind of sense of order. And also, you know, I often say that the the visual order, the external order brings internal order. So brings this, this calm and this peace uh, within the child and even within ourselves. So that's a, that's a really important uh, part of it as well. Also, as I mentioned, uh, the Montessori classrooms are often mixed age classrooms. And that would be for me also a red flag if you visit a school and there are, they are separated by birthdays because we really believe that it is more about the social interaction of different ages. I mean, imagine working or living with only people your age. It would be pretty boring, right? You wouldn't you wouldn't learn, you wouldn't strive to to be wiser, to learn another master, another skill, and you wouldn't be able to help those who uh, need your assistance to master a skill. So it's it's really beautiful social cohesion when the ages are mixed. And then the other one is this idea of freedom of movement. Uh, oftentimes, and, and I remember for myself, I don't know if you remember for yourself, but as a child, we were asked to sit still at a desk for long periods of time, which is we know is really not natural for the young child. The young child is in perpetual motion. Uh, the young child and even the older child, like, we need to get up. I mean, even as an adult, I need to get up and move around and, you know, walk around my garden while I'm thinking or on a phone call and such. So movement it is life. We need, we need that movement. So in a classroom, you will have children just walking about or choosing to work on a mat on the floor or at a table, or if, you know, you have a indoor, outdoor environment outside. So th this idea of movement is really important. And we know that movement is also part of brain development. So we actually use movement in our lessons. Um, I remember sitting as far away from, uh, let's say, a math activity and, you know, invite a child to go get me a number, and then they would have to walk back. And all of that is part of the processing and it's part of the the beauty of it. So freedom of movement is really an important aspect. And again, you know, if you see a classroom where they're all being told to sit at their desk, then for me that that would be a red flag right there. Uh, the other really important aspect is this notion of uninterrupted work cycles. And so this is really about 
focusing on their concentration. It's really about respecting children's concentration. When you are working on something, when you are in flow and you are are focused on an activity, just like I am speaking to you now, I've I've I'm in a state of, of flow. I'm I'm sharing something that is important to me and such. I don't want to be interrupted, right? I've closed the door. I've told. Uh, my family, I'm recording. Well, it's the same thing for children. When they are doing an activity, it is really important to respect their concentration and to not interrupt it. So sometimes, you know, we want to know what they're doing. We're intrigued. Just hold off and wait until you see them come out of the flow and then you can engage with them. And so that translates in the classroom as these uninterrupted work cycles, meaning that for example, for the the ages that I worked with, two and a half to six, we had about a two and a half, three hour period in the morning where there was no interruption. It was just flowing from one activity to the other. I would, um, you know, work one on one with a child or or a small group or you know whatever I needed to do. But the children themselves were choosing their own work. They were repeating it as many times as they needed to to master that skill. They were putting it back, cleaning it up, putting it back, choosing another work, maybe going and sitting and reading a book, maybe going outside and drinking a glass of water, whatever they needed to do. But it's a real uh, respect of that concentration where we are not interrupting every 30, 20 minutes, you know, saying it's time to put things away, we need to, to choose another activity, it's time for music, it's time for math. It's really letting them be in their flow. And so for me, that translates at home, what I was saying earlier about really, really respecting concentration. I often say, you know, that even if you don't understand what it is they're doing, or even if they're making a bit of a mess, as long as they are not hurting themselves, hurting someone else or a pet, there is no need to interrupt. If they're making a mess, it's okay. You take you take a deep breath, and once they come out of their flow, you'll say, oh, oh, look, there's some water on the floor. Let me show you how to clean that up. So really being very respectful of their concentration, that's, that's a very important one. And you'll hear me talk a lot, a lot about that. And then the other last two points I wanted to touch on is this understanding that in Montessori education, at least the education before six years of age is really reality-based. So it's really concrete information. We tend to avoid fantasies and kind of make-believe uh, stories. We The child is really intrigued about their, their world, their surroundings. They want to know the facts. So we have to respect that and give them the facts and be really reality-based and concrete. And that is because also before six, the child really has a hard time telling the difference between reality and fantasy. So we don't want to confuse them, and we really want to be able to give them concrete information. After six, we can get into make-believes and fantasies, and they will even themselves say, oh, that's pretend, or that's not really real, because they have, they're able to uh, make the difference. And I know that that is you know, kind of a 
point that is sometimes uh, hard to understand, but does make sense in that uh, confusion that we could give them if we, you know, just tell them stories of, of make-believe things. So being really aware of that. And then the last one is really this having intentionally trained adults in the environments, in the in the classrooms, that they just really know the philosophies, the principles, and that they know the didactic material, because there is also a lot of didactic material that was created to have a lot of manipulatives and hands-on uh, understanding of mathematical knowledge, of geography, of language, of all of that. And so it's an understanding of that material as well. So that was a lot, but just know that this is, you know, some principles and please, you know, reach out if you want to know more. Uh, there's plenty on my website as well. But it's also, you know, also a wonderful uh, method to be used as uh, for homeschoolers. There's a lot of homeschoolers. And actually, uh, you might have heard my episode with Pilar Buley, who uh, was a Montessori teacher. Now she is a homeschooling parent uh, with a seven and four-year-old, if I remember correctly. So that was episode three. I'll link in the show notes. But there are you know, plenty of, of that. And uh, also just the fact that all of these principles for me are applicable at home. Whether you know anything about Montessori, whether your child goes to a Montessori school or not, there are so many principles that are respectful to our child's development that can be applied at home. And that's a lot of, as you know, the work that I do with parents and through uh, the parenting school or my membership community and such is about how we can incorporate all of that at home. So I hope that that was uh, answered that question that came in that was, what the heck is Montessori? And, uh, you know, as, as a conclusion, really, for me, um, it's really a way of life. It's really a beautiful way of understanding human development and uh, a gentle guidance for us, the adults, to follow our children, to accept them for who they are, and to really take their lead and guide them in a gentle, respectful way. So thank you, and I will see you on the next episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Art of Parenting. And if you did, please make sure to share it with your loved ones. I'd also be grateful for a review on iTunes so it can get heard by many more. And remember, if you've got a question, let me know. I'm here for you. Till next time.